Welcome to the Inspired by Her Story podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Casso, travel and brand photographer and the founder of Caitlin Casso Creations, where I share other women's stories through my photographs and now this podcast. Inspired by Her Story is a podcast dedicated to inspiring, motivating, encouraging, and empowering women to get out of their comfort zones and follow their dreams. Whether it's owning their own business, experiencing something new, or making a major life change, I want to encourage other women to follow their dreams and live their lives to the fullest. Throughout this podcast, I will be sharing my own stories and those of inspirational women with hopes to let souls connect and adventures to unwind. Follow along as I take you with me during my travels, experiences, and encounters with these amazing women. Have you been wanting to start your own podcast but don't know where to begin? Do you feel like you have a message you want to share with the world and want to show up professionally? Well, I have just the thing for you. I recently launched my How to Create a Podcast course where you can learn everything from creating podcasts and episode topics, naming a podcast and its episodes, recording, editing, and uploading and distributing, as well as two bonus topics of marketing a podcast and finding guests. Whoa, literally, this is everything I wish I had before I started a podcast. That's why I decided to create this course so I could give others, like yourself, the opportunity to learn everything you need to know about starting a podcast all in one place. Long gone are the days of searching through a million articles in order to launch your podcast. I'll take you behind the scenes so you can see everything I do each week while putting my Inspired by Her Story podcast together. So click the link in the show notes or go to CaitlinCasso.com and click on courses to find out more. Today on Inspired by Her Story is Robin Geigel. Robin is the author of By Way of Sorrow, an attorney, author, and activist who has been honored by the ACLU New Jersey and the New Jersey Pride Network for her work on behalf of the LGBTQ community. She has been appointed by the New Jersey Supreme Court to the Court's Committee on Diversity Inclusion and Community Engagement and by the Governor and Legislature to the New Jersey Transgender Equality Task Force. She is a member of the Board of Directors of Garden State Equality, New Jersey's largest LGBTQ civil rights organization. Robin lives in New Jersey where she continues to practice law by day and work on her next novel by night. During this episode, Robin talks more about why she decided to go through the transition later in life. I was born in 1952. So my life experiences are far different than a lot of people um, who are coming out as transgender now as teenagers, as kids in their 20s. When I was growing up, I didn't know what the word transgender was. I don't know that there was the word transgender at that point in time. But I knew from the age of three or four, whenever it is that you have conscious memory, that something wasn't right in terms of I felt like I was a girl, like my sisters, but everybody treated me as a boy. What made her decide to write her book by way of sorrow? And I was now, my kids were grown, I was living on my own, I had some time, and I decided that You know, that was something that I had always wanted to do. This was a good time to do it. And how she feels like her book can help others. If you're 
not a trans person. So if you're cisgender, which means that the gender that you were assigned at birth corresponds to your gender identity, which is most people. Mm -hmm. If you're a cisgender person, number one, I hope you get that this is a good legal thriller mm -hmm. and you enjoy the ride. But I will confess that part of it was also to try to introduce you to trans folks in a real human way and, and let you see who some trans folks are. Let's hear more about her journey. Welcome to the podcast, Robin. Thank you, Caitlin. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. When I first met you, I, of course, you know, I always say this to people where when I first meet someone, I try to not ask a lot of questions because I want to make sure that as I'm recording the podcast too, I almost feel like a listener so I could come up with questions on the fly as well. So I'm really excited to dig in a little bit more and hear more about your journey. And I'm really excited for my audience to hear more as well. So if you can just share a little bit more about who you are and what you do to start off. Sure. I am an attorney at law in the state of New Jersey. I've been practicing law for over 40 years. I do primarily commercial litigation and employment law. I'm a partner at Gluck Walrath, which is a mid-sized law firm in Freehold, New Jersey. I'm also an author. Um, I have a book coming out in a little over a month, March 30th, 2021. It's a mystery, legal thriller uh, genre. I'm an activist with a small A, and I say with a small A only because there's so many people who do so much more work than I do. I don't like to compare myself to people whose lives are dedicated to activism. So I do my small part, and that's why I say I'm an activist with a small A. And I am a transgender woman. So that informs all of those things that I described before that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. And I'm so excited for you to also even share a little bit more about your journey and how it is that you got to where you are today too. So I think in terms of, as I said in, in the beginning, I think my journey as a transgender woman informs everything that I have done. I was born in 1952. So my life experiences are far different than a lot of people um, who are coming out as transgender now as teenagers, as kids in their 20s. Um, when I was growing up, I didn't know what the word transgender was. I don't know that there was the word transgender at that point in time. But I knew from the age of three or four, whenever it is that you have conscious memory, that something wasn't right in terms of, I felt like I was a girl, like my sisters, but everybody treated me as a boy. And again, it was the 1950s as I was growing up, the 60s, I didn't have language for it. I couldn't express it. And I knew somehow intuitively that the people around me didn't expect me to feel the way that I felt inside. So I didn't express it to anyone. I, I internalized it and tried to make myself into the person that everyone else saw me as. I have had a blessed life. I truly have, and, and I don't have complaints. Uh, I grew up with a great family. I have two sisters 
two older sisters and a younger brother. My mom and dad were, were great people and grew up in a very loving environment. And as I said, with that, you try to make the people around you, the people that love you happy. And so I tried to be the person that they wanted me to be. I did well enough in college to go to law school. Uh, I did well enough in law school to come out and, and build what I think is you know, a reputable career. And at, in probably 1986, I joined a firm in Livingston, New Jersey and became a partner in that firm, a named partner in that firm and worked there for almost 30 years. And um, the last 10 of which I spent as the managing partner of the firm, which means that I ran the, ran the place. And um, I have a, an incredible uh, wife. We're still married, even though we, we don't live together anymore. Three great kids and spent the bulk of that period of time between law school and, and, and now raising our kids and, and working hard as a lawyer. But at some point, that internalization of who I was and, and trying to project everybody else that image that they saw instead of who I was, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, the way I describe it, uh, an analogy is if you drip water on a rock, that water is just going to run off the rock. But if you drip water on the rock at the same place, every second of every day, of every week, of every year, eventually that rock is going to start to wear away where the water hits it. And that's what it was like for me. I just wore away because every day of my life, I had to deal with the fact that I knew my gender identity was female, and yet I had to project myself as a male to everyone else. And, and that's at over time, that became an exhausting experience. And I just couldn't do it anymore. And so in 2008, uh, I started coming out to people as a trans woman. And, uh, you know, told my partners, co-workers, people that I worked with. And in 2009, I went through the gender confirmation process and started living in Prophet. And um, it's been, you know, um, the best, you know, experience of my life in terms of who I am. Obviously, there's other experiences when your children are born and those kinds of things that are, are magical. But for me, just in terms of being myself, this has been, uh, you know, the end of a, a uh, end in the sense that, you know, this is the place where I, I feel like I should be at this point in my life. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and I have to say, I'm very excited and happy to have you on my, my, my podcast, um, being able to represent other transgenders as well, because I'm, I'm really excited to be able to have a voice on my podcast now too. So thank you so much for, for sharing and being vulnerable and being able to really share your story with everybody else as well. Well, thank you. And, and two things, if I can be so bold as to correct you slightly. Yes, please do. Transgender is not a noun. So it's not, I don't represent other transgenders. Transgender is an adjective. So I represent other transgender people. And I'm always very careful 
because in terms of representation, because as I said, I've had a very privileged life. Uh, I went to law school. I had a great career. Um, I'm white, uh, you know, so there's a lot of advantages that I've had as a trans person that most or a lot of trans people don't have. Mm -hmm. And my journey as a trans woman is far different from a lot of people's, certainly younger transgender people, their journey is going to be so much different than mine was. And for transgender people of color, again, mm -hmm. you know, a very different journey. So I always tell people when I speak and, and I speak on transgender legal issues a lot that after you've heard me speak, you know the story of one transgender mm -hmm. person. Um, because while a lot of things are, you know, we share in terms of who we are and, and our life experiences, there's a lot that we don't. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I always am careful in terms of putting myself out as a, as a representative because yes, I am a trans person and I've had those experiences, but other people's experiences are different than mine. Yes, definitely. And that's what I love about having a podcast all about storytelling. You know, I like to say that this is all about storytelling people's journeys because everybody's journeys are so different from others. And I feel like by hearing a variety of people's journeys, no matter if it's something that they went through from childhood, if it's something they're going through now, that it can help other people become even more open-minded as well to others because everybody is always experiencing a different journey in their own journey. And I feel like it helps others to really open up and realize that a little bit more rather than being so cued into maybe their own or maybe, you know, people they see on social media and they're assuming what their life is like. So I like the fact that, you know, I could use this as a platform to help people become more open-minded to everybody's different journeys as well. Yeah, we, we all come to where we are based on our own personal journeys, our own experiences, our own implicit biases and, and all of those things. And it's the only way we improve ourselves is by listening to and, and absorbing the, the journeys of other people and, and growing from listening to other people and what they've been through. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Definitely. And I would love to even hear as well, um, because I remember when I first met you, one of my thoughts too, was the fact that you have this, you know, high profile job as well. And I'd love to hear how, how it really was going through um, the transition while also having a high profile job. Sure. It, it was um, a unique experience in the sense that, as I said, I had become the managing partner of the firm that I was with before uh, I joined Gluck Walrath in 2006. Mm -hmm. And so when I say the managing partner, I was basically the attorney who was in charge of running the office and making sure we made money and kept the lights on and, and doing all the, the things that, uh, you know, somebody who runs a business does. And as a result, I had the unique experience of being both the employer and the employee who was mm -hmm. going through the transition process. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, it was unique. And 
I didn't know what to expect from my partners at the time. They, they were four middle-aged white men. Uh, and you never know how people are going to react. Some people, you know, who you think are going to react very positively don't. And other people that you dread telling them, you know, they're, they're fine with it. So I, I sat down and met with my partners first, uh, almost a year before we came, I came out to the, to the staff and to clients and, and things like that, and had a discussion with them. And needless to say, they were shocked because I had projected this other image to everybody in the world. And it took them a while to, I think, accept that this was real and this is what I was going to do. But once they did, they were, they were very magnanimous about it and they were very helpful. And we worked together to come up with a plan as to how we would do things. We brought in uh, a woman to, to ultimately train people in terms of doing cultural competence and what it meant to be trans person. And so that people will have a little bit better understanding of it. And in March of 2009, about six months, four months, five months before I, I transitioned, uh, we had an office meeting with everyone, all of the attorneys, there were 19 at the time, and uh, all of the staff. And I came out in person. And if you can kind of put yourself back in March 2009, we were in a little bit of a financial crisis, the country was. And um, a number of people came to me afterwards and they said they were relieved because we had never had a firm-wide firm meeting before. And they thought I was going to announce that we were closing the firm. Mm. And so when they found out that it was just me coming out as a transgender woman, they were like, oh, that's all. <laughs> um, that's so great. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting, uh, you know, with any group of people, you have people who are accepting, you have people who are a little hesitant. And the same thing with um, clients, because I had to come out to clients that I was representing and attorneys that I was in cases with, be they co-counsel or adversaries and judges. And I, I will say that at least to my face, and I, I have no reason to believe that it wasn't true behind my back too, the legal community was, in my opinion, and surprisingly, very accepting. And I, you know, it was 2009 when I started coming out. Again, it's kind of hard to put yourself back then, but being transgender, people didn't even know what it meant. People didn't know other people that were transgender. Caitlyn Jenner hadn't come out yet. You know, there, there wasn't shows on television about it. So it was a different world. And yet I found that, again, for the most part, uh, the people that I worked with, the people that I dealt with as a professional were very accepting. I think it was harder for friends. Um, and I did lose a number of friends uh, because it, it's just, you know, friendships are, are unique. And I think they struggled with me being a different person when I didn't feel I was a different person. I was just really telling them who I was. As, as I explained to one person, um, you know, there's nothing different about me 
The only thing different is what you know about me. We'll be back with our guest in just a minute, but first, let's hear a quick message from our sponsors. Are you a business owner who's having a hard time attracting your ideal clients? Are you feeling overwhelmed and have no idea where to start when it comes to marketing? Are you tired of taking photos for your business with your cell phone? That's why I put together my brand strategy and photography program. This is for entrepreneurs who are ready to take their brands to the next level while attracting their soul clients. That's right, your soul clients. As a marketer and photographer, I help my clients find clarity within their brand, create strategic messaging, and help them represent their brands in the best light possible. This 12-week program does not just help you build your dream brand, but it also provides you with a whole collection of photos to support your marketing. So what are you waiting for? Let me help you feel confident in yourself and your brand. Head over to CaitlinCasso.com or send me an email at hello at CaitlinCasso.com and we'll get you started. And now back to the episode. And I would also love for you to share as well. Um, you mentioned in the beginning too how you're also an author, and so and your book is coming out in pretty much a month from now, um, by way of sorrow. And I'd love to hear more about what this book is because I know it's also a f- fiction book too. Um, and what made you decide to write it as well? So it is a work of fiction. I've always wanted to write. I've always um, wanted to to put together a novel. I started my first novel probably 40 years ago. Uh, It never got finished. It, it, back in the day, it was, you know, you, when you wrote a novel, you literally wrote it on yellow legal pads. Mm. Uh, There were no computers. There was nothing like that. So uh, I started that, as I said, probably 38 years ago and didn't finish it. Children came along, life happened. And then after I I had transitioned and I was now, my kids were grown. I was living on my own. I had some time and I decided that, you know, that was something that I had always wanted to do. This was a good time to do it. So in probably 2011, I, I started another novel, not the first one that I had started, 38 years ago. And I finished it in 2013 or so. And I got an agent for that book, but that book never sold. And one of the reasons I think that book never sold was it was too, even though it wasn't my story, the main character was too much like me. And so I I think that took away from, from the story in some ways. And so I decided to write another book. It, again, I, I wanted to write a thriller. And they say, you know, write what you know. I'm a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I'm a trans woman. And for up until five years ago, I had done not a lot, but I had always practiced criminal defense. I had always, you know, done criminal defense work. And so that was something else that I knew. But I was determined not to make the character me. So I made her a younger trans woman. 
And uh, it was a story, or it is a story, about a criminal defense lawyer who's 35 years old. She's transitioned two to three years ago. And she gets handed the opportunity to represent a, a trans woman of color who is accused of murdering the only son of one of the most powerful state senators in the state of New Jersey. And she knows by taking on that case, it will expose her as a transgender woman and bring up the wounds that she suffered in terms of her relationships when she came out. And I wanted to tell a story about trans people, not about their transition. There's a lot of memoirs and stories about people transitioning. I wanted to tell the story of trans people who had been, had, had done that journey. They were through that and what it's like afterwards and how you can be a complete person and how you live your life. And, and so I wanted it to be a little bit of a different trans narrative. And I didn't want it to be a book just about trans people. I wanted it to be a legal thriller where people would sit and read it if they like John Grisham or if they like Scott Turow or if they like mysteries. Um, I wanted to appeal to all people. So it's a, a legal thriller that just happens to have as the main character, a transgender criminal defense lawyer. That is so awesome. I love thrillers, I have to say. And they're they're so, they, they just catch my attention so much. And it's one of those where you just don't want to put it down when you're reading because you're like, what's going to happen next? Oh God. Oh no. So I'm really excited about it. <laughs> Thank you. And I, and I hope that it does that for you because that's certainly the intent. The, oh, let me just read one more chapter. Mm -hmm. let, oh, I need, I need to find out what happens next. Yeah. Uh, I hope that's the, the reaction, whether you're trans, cis, whatever, I, I hope that's the way people react to it. Mm -hmm. And actually that leads into my next question that I'd love to hear as well is just, you know, if someone were to read this book, what do you hope that they would get out of it for themselves? If you're not a trans person, so if you're cisgender, which means that the gender that you were assigned at birth corresponds to your gender identity, which is most people. Mm -hmm. If you're a cisgender person, number one, I hope you get that this is a good legal thriller mm -hmm. and, and you enjoy the ride. But I will confess that part of it was also to try to introduce you to trans folks in a real human way and, and let you see who some trans folks are and realize the humanity of trans folks so that you don't see them as trans. You just mm -hmm. see them as, in, in this case, two women who are, in Erin's case, she's the, the lawyer, battling the system to try to get justice for her client, Sharice, who's the woman accused of, of committing the crime. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're a cisgender person, I hope that it, it's both a thriller and maybe a little bit of an education in terms of, of, of what it's like in, in terms of being a trans woman. And if you're, uh, you know, a trans person, I hope you read it and say, yes, I, you know, here's, here's two trans characters that I can root for mm -hmm. and that I can identify with. And, and I hope in their own ways, they're, they're positive role models for the community. 
Definitely. I always love, um, you know, any, anything, or even whether it's a community that people feel like they can relate to others. I feel like it's so important to have things in life that feel relatable. Um, I feel like I talk about this often where just being a part of some sort of community is so important because then you're with like-minded people, uh, people who understand you, your thoughts, what you do, what you like, maybe what you don't like. And you don't always necessarily have those same opinions or thoughts or likes um, with family members or friends. So it's nice to be a part of some sort of community or have some place or somewhere to go to feel like you could relate to somebody else also. So I feel like this book can definitely help people feel like they can relate too, which I think is amazing and, and definitely helpful for them too. Thank you. I, I hope it works. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it will. <laughs> and so I'd love to hear also, um, I know you mentioned that you're an activist, but with like a lowercase a. <laughs> I'd love to hear a little bit more of your experience of being an activist and what has really inspired you to take action. As I mentioned earlier, when I went through the gender confirmation process in 2009, there weren't, it wasn't, you know, people weren't talking about transgender issues the way they are now. And there weren't a lot of people out there who people could relate to. And so I didn't have any intention of becoming an activist. But as I also said earlier, I understand that I come from a place of privilege, that I am a lawyer, I have a good career, my career continued. I didn't lose that when I transitioned, as happened to so many trans folks. So I, I felt I had an opportunity to be a voice for people who, who maybe whose voice was taken away from them or who weren't, didn't have the same opportunity or the same platform that I did as a member of the legal community who had been practicing law at that point for, for you know, 30 years. So people knew me and, and I hope respected me before I, I transitioned. And so I thought I had a somewhat unique opportunity to, to raise my voice a little bit and say, hey, here's a human face on an issue that a lot of people don't understand. And I, am a successful parent, I'm a successful lawyer, I'm a successful human being. So take away your preconceptions of what you think of trans people. Here's someone who's trans. And, and that kind of then put me in a, in a place where I was asked to be on, on you know, boards of certain organizations and to, to speak more and, and to write in various, you know, the ABA journal and, and various publications to, to represent, again, not the community writ large because everybody is different, but to talk on the issues that a lot of people in the trans community were facing, um, be those employment issues, be those, um, you know, issues facing, you know, healthcare, suicide, all the things that, that the trans community faces in unwelcome numbers. 
And so that's how I, I got involved. And as I say, I, I use a small a because there are so many other people who have a, a much bigger role than I do and whose lives are just dedicated to being, you know, activists and, and working for the community. And those are the people that I truly respect and admire. So if I can do my own little role and, and, and help in my own little section of the world, while at the same time realizing that I have to be an attorney to pay the bills mm -hmm. and I, I write because I enjoy it, um, that's what I, I'd like to do. And so that's how I got into it. And that's where I am with it. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I'm sure that it is very helpful to those that you are reaching as well. Even if you do feel like it's a small impact, it's still an impact. And I think that's something that's really important. Thank you. And I agree with you. I think, you know, I forget where the expression comes from. But you know, if you can change one life, mm. then you've been successful. And I'd like to think that I've, you know, maybe changed a few lives for the better. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love that. That makes me so happy. And I'd also love to hear where you plan on going from here. Do you plan on, I know this book is just going to be released, but do you plan on writing more books? Do you feel like you would like to dig deeper into activism? Do you see anything else in your future that you're excited about? So I was very fortunate that when Kensington Books uh, bought By Way of Sorrow, uh, my editor signed me to a two book deal. Ooh, awesome. So um, I was obligated to write a second book and I did. And it's in the hands of my publishers now going through the editing process. And that will come out on January 25th, 2021, which used to sound like a long time or 2022. I'm sorry. It used to sound like such a long time, but it's less than a year. Yeah. And um, so uh, Survivor's Guilt is the name of that. And it's um, the, the two lawyers from By Way of Sorrow, Erin McCabe and Dwayne Swisher, her law partner. Um, it's a continuing story of Erin and Dwayne. And so, um, yeah, that, one, that one's done. And, and I don't think there's any point in starting to write a, a third one until we see how number one does. Mm -hmm. um, but so in terms of writing, I love writing. As I said earlier, it's something that I've always wanted to do. So whether it's another Aaron McKay book or whatever, even after Survivor's Guilt um, is through the editing process, I'm sure I'll keep writing because I just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. In terms of the activism, again, I hope to stay involved and I hope that maybe having a book coming out, dealing with transgender characters, expands my platform a little bit. I'm still going to be a lowercase a activist, but again, to the extent that my voice might reach a few more people because of the book that it didn't reach before, I hope to have a positive impact in that way. And then I still have my day job which pays the mortgage. So uh, I will continue to practice law for the foreseeable future and uh, yeah, see what the future brings. Yeah, that's awesome. You never know. That's one thing. It's I always say, you know, you could set these goals or visions and have ideas of what you want to do, but you never know what else is going to come your way, ideas that are going to spark too. <laughs> yes. Um, just 
positive thoughts. That's that's all we can do is have positive thoughts and, and hope for the best. Exactly. And now, as you know, a big theme of this podcast is all about getting out of your comfort zone. So I love to ask everybody this question. And so no matter what situation you might be in, so maybe it's something small, maybe it's something large, how do you usually push yourself to get out of your comfort zone? My comfort zone is is usually sitting by myself and writing. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that I I kind of used activism for before there was a pandemic and and we couldn't be with people was to push myself to get out and and be with people and speak out which is not something that I always feel comfortable with so I think you know just moving out and and meeting people and and trying to be a, a force for something positive it is not something that comes naturally to me in the sense that I tend to be a homebody and I, mm-hmm. that's what writers do. You stay home and you write. So that's, that gets me out of my comfort zone. When I, when I have to go out, when I have to mingle, when I have to meet with people, when I have to put myself out there and mm-hmm. that's what I do. But then, you know, once you do it, it's something that you're going to be so happy about in the end that you did do it. You're going to feel accomplished and you're going to be like, yes, I'm so happy that I pushed myself. I got out of the house. <laughs> I got in front of people and it just feels so amazing in the end too. You're right. It does. You always, I, I think whether when you step out of your comfort zone, it's not always, it doesn't always work the way you you hope it does. Sometimes you feel like you've fallen on your face, mm-hmm. but it's always a learning experience and it's always a growing experience. And so we have to, we grow by our successes, but we probably grow more by our failures. Mm-hmm. So getting out of our comfort zone is important in terms of, of helping us to grow in terms of who we are and who we want to be. Yes, that's very true. I love how you mentioned that about how a lot of the times you end up growing even more through your failures. And I actually had a a coach before who said to me one time, you know, you're either winning, you're either winning or you're learning. And I was like, hmm, yes, I love that's, that. That's so true. That's great. I I love that too. That's that's a good way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, because we so often emphasize the losing as a part of no, you know. Mm-hmm. When you, when you don't win, you've learned something, mm-hmm. hopefully. Exactly. So true. And now, is there anything else that you wanted to talk to you today that maybe we didn't get to at all? I don't think so. I think we covered it all. Caitlin, you're always very thorough. You were thorough in a, in our, our call before this and, mm-hmm. and obviously thorough today. So unless you think I've left something out that we had talked about earlier, mm-hmm. Um, I, this has been, this has been great. I've enjoyed it. Awesome. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. That's awesome. And where also can people find your book as well when it's released? On all the major platforms. I always encourage um, people to to go to IndieBound and look Mm -hmm. for their local independent bookstores Mm because we always want to, you know, writers, people in in the biz, uh, we always want to support our local bookstores. They're so important, Mm -hmm. but it can also be found on Amazon and, and Barnes and Noble, all the major platforms. It'll be a uh, hardcover and ebook, and it will also be available on Audible. Mm-hmm. 
And finally, there'll be a Spanish language version too. Oh, awesome. That's very cool. And I have to agree with you. I love supporting small businesses. Of course, being one, it's always exactly. like, try to support as many as I can. Yeah. And I've always been with a relatively small law firm. So mm-hmm. I know what, you know, how hard it is for, for small businesses to compete against the, whether it's a big law firm or, you know, if you're a bookstore trying to be, compete against Amazon and Barnes and Noble and things like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we all appreciate it. <laughs> And so now I'd love to get into the last segment, which is a little fun way to end the podcast too. It's the fast five section. So I'm going to ask you a question and you can answer with either a word or a phrase that first comes to mind. Okay. All right. So the first question is, what helps you find inner confidence? Interesting question. Um, I know sometimes it's not really that fast. It's I yeah, I, and I apologize for being <laughs> slow because you said this is the fast portion and now now I'm struggling because okay. so often it's I, I don't feel I have inner confidence. It's mm-hmm. I think doing, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that because the more that you do it, then you start to feel more confident. Exactly. You just got to push yourself. Mm-hmm. I love it. And what or who inspires you? There have been any number of people who have inspired me in my life. Um, My mom, probably most of all, she recently passed away. um, And she passed away. She was 96 years old, still had a great sense of humor and, and just a wonderful woman. And when I came out, um, struggled but said to me before um, I transitioned, you're my child. I don't understand this. I don't want it, but I will always love you. Mm-hmm. And she did. So she's been my inspiration. And I'm so sorry to hear about her passing as well. Thank you. Thank you. And now what is a hobby that you have outside of, I would say, especially whether it's writing or activism maybe something that you haven't talked to today, what would be a hobby that you have? I like to jog. I like to exercise. Um, I live by the Jersey shore. So I I get to when I, and, and I define jogging as moving slightly faster than walking. Uh, (laughs) I used to run, but I've age has kind of taken away that my definition in terms of, I don't consider myself a runner anymore. I'm a a jogger, Uh, but I really enjoy it. it. it's, uh, it's invigorating. And, and I love the feeling after you've had a a good run where you come back and, you know, you just, you feel on top of the world Mm -hmm. runners high, as they say. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I totally know what you mean. I am, I am not a runner, but I have had some good runs in my past. So I do know what you're talking about. (laughs) And as a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, that's kind of a loaded question for a trans woman. <laughs> I wanted to be a woman. There you go. I love it. That's um, perfect. Yeah. So I love that. That's so awesome. And there you go. You made your dreams come true. <laughs> I did. I love it. And now I love asking this question because of being a photographer. So if you could capture one specific moment in your life, or one specific moment that represents your life, 
through a photograph, what would that be? There's a photo of um, myself, my wife and our three kids and my mom um, at the rehearsal dinner for my middle son when he was getting married. And it's, it just, everybody has a huge smile on their face. It was a beautiful evening. And it's just a great picture of, of all six of us. And so that photo is something that I carry around in my mind all the time. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That is so amazing. And thank you so much for being on the podcast today and being vulnerable and sharing everything. I appreciate it so much. And I'm so excited to have everybody else hear your story as well. Caitlin, I can't thank you enough for having me. It's been an honor and an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Inspired by Her Story podcast. I hope you found some inspiration, motivation, encouragement, and empowerment to get you out of your comfort zone and live your life to the fullest. Make sure to follow, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and follow the podcast at Inspired by Her Story on Instagram. Follow my brand photography on Instagram at Caitlin Casso Creations and come along with me during my travels at Caitlin Casso. Go ahead and share the podcast with a friend and take these stories with you to make the changes in your life that you've been looking for. Stay tuned for the next Inspired by Her Story episode.